This is Horsepower Happenings. Tear up the body panel, fine. You know, even Ben knows, you could have destroyed the whole race car, if not worse. I don't have any problem racing each other and trading paint and moving people. I mean, that's it's a short track bull ring. This is not Daytona. From the MCRP studios in the Motor City. But I do know also one thing, by the time I'm his age, I'll have more than 100 wins, and I promise you that. With Zach Heiser. Fager leads him down on the bottom side of the racetrack. Moyer trying to make something happen on the top shelf. Big run, he'll cross over now down the back straightaway into turn number three. Moyer puts the binders on Fager nearly on the bike. And Rich Frank. Any progress, Zach, that they made on the last stop, they ruined on this one. So now they're really trying to get this thing off the ground. From the Motor City Racing Promotion Studios. Hey, guys, this is Ford and This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion, Rusty Schlink. This is Bobby Santos. This is Travis Stemler. This is Travis Brady. This is Andrew Shai. David Melky. Josh Fry. Ryan Rua. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings, the final episode of March. Unfortunately, though, we're still waiting for the racing season to get underway here within the region. We all know why, but we still have a great show lined up. Before we get into that, let's take a look at some things that are happening in a Motor City Minute. MAV-TV announced that Dan Teachside, who has been an integral part of the network's growth since 2014, has been promoted to president. During his tenure as vice president, he was responsible for helping negotiate the rights to Lucas Oil-owned content and expanding the search, I should say expanding the reach, of the company's media brands. NASCAR star Jimmy Johnson is hoping to do a modified version of The Double by partaking in his first NTT IndyCar Series race during the July 4th weekend, where NASCAR's Brickyard 400 will take to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Oval, while IndyCar and NASCAR's Xfinity Series make use of the IMS road course. Jimmy got a small taste of the double, racing in the Red Cross Grand Prix from Watkins Glen with the virtual IndyCar Series on Saturday, and then competing in the eNASCAR O'Reilly Auto Parts 125 from Texas Motor Speedway on Sunday. And a little closer to home, Auto City Speedway has announced that they are postponing the start of their season until Memorial Day weekend. Officials said they recognize this timeline may change as the COVID-19 pandemic progresses. Those things and so much more happening this week on Horsepower Happenings. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France again joins me on the phone, uh, continuing to use the model of social distancing some 60 miles apart here in the state of Michigan. Um, and uh, that's, of course, until we can get back to the MCRP studio in Sterling Heights. Welcome in, Rich. How are you doing this evening? Great, Zach. How are you been, sir? Hey, we're doing all right. Uh, I do want to take some time here uh, before we get into the show to uh, send a shout out to a good friend of mine, good friend of a lot of people in the racing industry, especially over here on this side of the state. Uh, Chuck Ewing is a, a longtime racer who's competed at tracks like Butler Motor Speedway and Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway, uh, just among the few. Uh, he right now fighting for his life. Uh, he caught a case of the COVID-19, uh, Was on a, is currently on a ventilator uh, in a medically induced coma on oxygen, the whole nine yards. Uh, each day, though, thankfully, Chuck makes improvements. We're continuing to pray for he and his family and uh, to Chuck and his family, just hoping that Chuck gets well very soon. And, uh, of course, Rich, uh, as this progresses, we're going to have more and more of that where we're going to start to know some people who are struggling uh, with COVID-19. Yeah, it's, you know, now it's it's long enough, Zach, where it's starting to get personal, I think, for everybody. Uh, 
you know, unfortunately, a couple of my friends uh, are uh, fighting the battle, and uh, so far, so good, but um, both are hospitalized, and uh, we're just, I think we just, uh, I think by the time this is over, we're going to know a bunch of people that fought through this, and uh, gosh, I hope by the, by the other side, uh, we're all better for it. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's try to set some of that aside, and let's talk. A little bit about racing as the season gets closer there are still preparations underway and still some excitement here within the industry yep and uh while ticket renewal and upgrade forms zach for the 53rd annual snowball derby have been mailed out fans interested in keeping their seats for this year's event at five flag speedway will have more time to do so in the light of the ongoing pandemic five flag speedway has extended the, the starting date for processing renewals until June 1st. The process was originally scheduled to begin on April 1st. While the start date for the ticket renewals has been pushed back, the deadline for renewals remains on August 1st. Uh, unsold seats will available will be available to the general public in August after the venue has taken a couple of weeks to process all of the renewals and seat upgrades. The 53rd Annual Snowball Derby is scheduled for December 2nd through the 6th. It's a week full of racing at the fun Pensacola, Florida half mile. All, uh, all building towards the most popular uh, and prestigious super late model race in North America. Well, once again, the Rowdy Energy Super Select Series, powered by Speed 51, produced a photo finish. This time, it was a Legends racer defeating the real-world late model stars for the win in the Festival of Speed at the virtual USA International Speedway. Alex McCollum held off Devin Morgan and Colin Allman on a green-white checkered restart, defeating Allman by 14 thousandths of a second at the line for the triumph. McCollum raced his way uh, from the uh, opening qualifying race earlier on Saturday, rallying from a spin to take the second and final transfer spot. He then started 10th in the 100-lap main event as part of a 10-car invert from heat race results. Despite the hurdles, McCollum stood victorious after the race in a field filled with real-life late model champions who will be competing full-time in uh, the sim racing series. McCollum says, quote, it feels great. We got the best short trackers out here. I got wrecked in the qualifying race, went back to 15th, and got back up to second. Now we're here, end quote. Uh, Ryan Doucette finished third with 2020 CRA Speedfest winner Corey Heim coming home fourth ahead of Morgan. 2019 Snowball Derby winner Travis Braden turned in an impressive sixth-place performance. And after talks with Tony Izzo and the Rippet Energy Fuel Mars Late Model Series, Peoria Speedway, Peoria Speedway officials have announced that they have moved the Steve Lance Senior Night $5,000 to win and 500 to start late model race from April 11th to May 16th. The race will take part of a three-day swing May 15th at Kankakee, uh, May 16th at Peoria, and May 17th at East Moline. Uh, we are still watching for the governor to lift restrictions like everyone else and hope to be racing soon. And, of course, that a, a direct quote from Peoria Speedway officials. Uh, this is kind of a cool story, Rich, as, uh, you know, trying to look for a silver lining around the pandemic. A breathing aid developed by engineers at Mercedes uh, and uh, with University College London engineers as well as clinicians at UCL Hospital, that breathing aid has now been approved for use by the UK's National Health Service in the battle against the coronavirus. The other six UK-based F1 teams uh, are also working to aid the UK's efforts to treat patients suffering 
Those teams are Red Bull, Racing Point, Haas, McLaren, uh, and Williams, along with uh, Reynolds. So a pretty cool situation there, Rich, where uh, racing teams coming together to try and uh, help everyone in need during this pandemic. Absolutely, and, and staying with the uh, open-wheel side of things, Indy, officials from IndyCar at Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced last Thursday that they will move the Indianapolis 500 from its traditional date on Sunday of Memorial Day weekend to Sunday, August 23rd because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Other events on the IndyCar schedule will also move, and the organization has released a revised schedule. And, uh, Rich, how about that, man? That's the first time since 1946 that the Indianapolis 500 will not be held on Memorial Day weekend. I know uh, there are some people in our industry that uh, are not going to know what to do with their Memorial Day weekend this year. And I, I, the way this is going, Zach, I think we're going to have to double-check the schedule once we get back because there's going to be a lot of weekends that get adjusted around this summer. Uh, but uh, you're going to have to go look for your favorite race, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, on that note, Anderson Speedway officials announced just hours ago that they have rescheduled the CRA events that were scheduled to take place on Saturday, April 18th. After the announcement on Sunday by President Donald Trump extending the social distancing guidelines through April 30th, the Vores Welding CRA late model sportsman powered by Jags and the Van Hoy Oil CRA street stocks powered by Jags were scheduled to have both of their season openers on April 18th. Now it'll shake out like this. The Vores Welding CRA late model sportsman event has been moved to Saturday, May 9th at Anderson Speedway. That 75 lap event will still be the season opener for the series. The Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks event has been moved to Saturday, May 16th. The ARCA CRA Super Series will also be in action that same evening. Additionally, there will be open practices at Anderson Speedway on Friday, May 8th, and Friday, May 15th. And Rich, as you suggested, going to have to keep the calendar very close once we finally get the okay and the all clear to head back to the racetrack. Yeah, I don't think, uh, like I said, Zach, uh, I don't, the adjustments aren't done being made. I think we're going to see several more. But uh, they'll find a date for these big races, and we'll get out there and see them. I, I have full confidence in it. Well, you know, as we're trying to do, uh, many other media outlets trying to find a way to kind of uh, give a little diversion from the situation that's going on around the world. And uh, one of the media outlets that we frequent quite often, Speed 51, has done just that. And we kind of wanted to take a look at one of their uh, publications from this past week. And that'll be our Here's the Deal segment this week. Right, Zach. So it, it was pretty cool. I, I was I was looking on Speed51.com and... Uh, this weekend, they came out with their top 10 outlaw super late model drivers of tw to watch in 2020. And, uh, you know, that was kind of home to us because we're really in our area are the only ones that still run the outlaw super late models as they are. And uh, so they had a, their own top 10 list. And I figured we could kind of go through this top 10 list and maybe see what we agree on and uh, maybe what we don't, who they left off. Uh, that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, um, the state of Michigan, really, we've, we've talked about how much there have been some struggles in that division. But uh, as you mentioned, one of the few states that still run that division on a very regular basis. Exactly, especially up in this area. So it kind of made me feel like they did a story on us, you know, really, <laughs> what, what we cover up here. So it was pretty cool. But let's get into it. Let's jump right into it and see what they got here. And uh, right out of the gate, number one, 
Uh, I think uh, nine out of ten people who follow Outlaw Racing could guess who this gentleman is. Uh, Tyler Roerig they have as number one. And as they say, in order to be the man, you have got to beat the man. Not many people do that uh, when Tyler Roerick shows up for a race. Yeah, you know, that guy right now is, I think, one of the hottest pavement race uh, late model and uh, just pavement drivers in general. When he gets behind the wheel of anything uh, here lately, he has been hard to beat, especially, though, when he gets behind the wheel of uh, that uh, outlaw late model. Uh, Kalamazoo Clash, he's won uh, each of the last three years, becoming only the second driver to win three straight. Four similar Sizzlers, two Glass City 200s. Uh, just take a look at some of this stuff. Outlaw Super Late Model Canadian Short Track Nationals. And, uh, man, so much he has done behind the wheel of that Super Late Model. Uh, not even mentioning some of the work he's done behind the wheel of a sprint car, Rich. So, Tyler Roerig, yeah, I, I, that's a really good number one pick. I think so, too. I don't think there's any argument on that. Then they moved to number two. And uh, surprised me a little bit, but not really. Steve Needles. Uh, Needles landed uh, a ride uh, four years ago with car owner Brian Short, and uh, boy, they've just been on a run ever since. Uh, he is the 2009 winner of the Kalamazoo Clash. Uh, he also had he also was the 2016 Gold Cup winner for the for the ARCA Gold Cup Series, uh, and he has a track title at Berlin back in 2013. So uh, Steve Needles second on their list. And probably should have had him a Glass City 200 as well. Yeah, you're right there, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm with you. You, you kind of look at Steve Needles and you go, number two, uh, maybe, okay, I can see it. Number three, kind of the same thing, right? Terry Seneker, um, should he be higher up the list? Should he be further down the list? He definitely needs to be on the list. His starts behind the wheel are few and far in between, but uh, he's still one of the favorites any time that he pulls into the track. Of course, uh, with his work with Seneker performance, he doesn't get a chance to be behind the wheel very often, but... Uh, Rich, as we all know, he owns the all-time mark for Kalamazoo Clash victories at five, a mark that I think Tyler Roerig is going to try and chase down here very quickly. Um, but uh, he's also done some work over by you with the Glass City and uh, Joy Fair Memorial. Yep, exactly. And I have a little bit of different feelings, Zach. I don't think Terry Seneker should be on this list. Not for what he's done in the past, but I don't think he's going to be in the seat very much. So uh, I, have, I have not seen him run an outlaw super late model in a year and a half or so. Uh, so I don't think he's one to watch for 2020. He's obviously one of the best to ever run an Outlaw Super Late model, but I don't I don't agree he's somebody to watch in 2020. Well, the next two on their list are uh, friends of the program, if you will, number four and number five. Brian Bergacre and Jeff Gannis, respectfully, those two drivers right now, very hot in the Outlaw Super Late model series, uh, I shouldn't say series, in that division. Yeah, Brian Bergacre, I would have definitely put up to the number three spot. Uh, he has been on fire the last year or so. Uh, he was the 2019 ARCA Gold Cup champion, uh, and he's gone the victory lane in the last two Stanley Memorial 150s at Flat Rock. Uh, and he's getting a lot of time in template cars as well, where he's doing excellent. But uh, Brian Bergacre is developing into a, a, a big-time wheelman in our region. Uh, Jeff Gannis, number five on the list, told us that he accidentally wins championships at racetracks, including Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway, um, and of course, uh, winner Super Shoe Nationals in Kalamazoo, uh, and uh, the Hoosier 100. He's a uh, 2015 Kalamazoo Clash winner, as well as the Summer Sizzler, and uh, he, he has uh, figured out his way around the racetracks here in this region as well, Jeff Gannis. Pretty good pick at number five. I think he's probably right about where he needs to be on the list as well. 
Yeah, I think so. Jeff Gannis, uh, uh, he he is a very good driver. Whatever he gets in, whether it's in a late model sportsman car, uh, a template late model, or an outlaw late model, obviously he's earned that uh, too. Two summer sizzlers and a Kalamazoo clash win in his career, and I'm sure we'll see him in an outlaw late model quite a bit uh, this summer. Number six, uh, the other half of uh, of the Rorick team down there at Rocket Performance, uh, J.R. Rorick. Uh, absolutely, he has two Glass City 200 wins to his credit, 2014 and 17, um, and he's got a couple summer sizzlers as well in 2011 and 2018. So I think J.R. Rorick always fast in an outlaw late model. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, when I've seen him race, he's he's been fast but competitive, victory lane. I don't know. I kind of, I think I'm with, with you, with J.R. Rorick. Uh, I, I share your opinions similar to Terry Seneker where um, I just, here recently I haven't seen the results for me. Um, and, and again, that's just my opinion. No one else's. Phil Bozell, number seven on the list, the former Arca Menard Series winner with two wins in 2019 at Berlin Raceway and the Money in the Bank 150, and then at Jocasa Motor Speedway during the Canadian Short Track Nationals. Uh, Bozell, definitely a name that is synonymous with racing on the west side of the state. Um, very accomplished uh, in uh, outlaw super late model racing, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that win at the Canadian Short Track Nationals last summer was huge for him. Uh, he really needed a big win. He, he's always competitive, but he really needed to put himself on the board with a big win uh, in in the last couple of years, and he did that last summer with the Canadian Short Track Nationals. So Phil Bozell, always a threat to win when he unloads. Adam Terry at number eight on the list. He, of course, dueled uh, Tyler Rorig for the Intimidator 100, came out on top of that event. Um, and uh, really, Adam, I think is uh, if you had to do another list for potential breakout drivers in 2020, I think you have to watch Adam Terry. He had a very successful 2019, and I think he'll just improve on that here this year. Yep, and he picked up the Kalamazoo Speedway Track Championship for the Outlaw Super Late Models. You know, we, we got I got I finally after a while, you know, after he won that championship, he went off into hiding. Uh, got to catch up with him uh, at the Super Shoe Nationals. And, uh, you know, he he, uh, he really had a good season. Uh, not, you know, he told me that wasn't what he planned on was that championship, but, boy, it just fell into place for him. And uh, Adam Terry, I think, I think very well deserves to be on this list as well. Kind of low on the list, in my opinion, is number nine, Andy Bozell, the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer, uh, had one of the most successful Outlaw Super Late Model careers uh, with four Kalamazoo Clash wins, 12 track championships, as well as titles at Galesburg Speedway, Corrigan Oil Speedway, formerly Spartan Speedway, M40, and uh, Southwest Michigan, which is now Montville Speedway, uh, across his career. Also had wins in big races like the Intimidator 100, Big Gun Shootout, Summer, Summer Sizzler. You go through the accolades for that number 83 machine, Rich, and I think very easily you could make a case to move him several spots up the list. Well, Zach, here's where we disagree. I, I'm, I kind of feel the same way... Uh about Andy Bozell as I do about Terry Seneker. Uh, Andy Bozell is one of the best drivers to ever hold a steering wheel uh, in the state of Michigan or anywhere around here. But he has not really won a whole lot of anything in the last few years. Um, that That's not taking anything away from him. He's still out there doing it. Uh, but he's kind of in the background. He's a, he's kind of a top five car these days and, and not, not picking up a lot of checkered flags. But... Uh, take away nothing from Andy Bozell. He has had an outstanding career. He's a Hall of Famer. 
and, and like I said, one of the best to ever hold a steering wheel. And again, we're looking at the top outlaw late model drivers to watch here in 2020, as reported by Speed 51. And number 10 on the list, someone that we've had on the program a couple of times, and a good friend of yours, Rich, and that's Frank Giovanni. Yeah, he's coming off, uh, you know, he had, he's, he's coming off uh, his first Flat Rock Speedway Championship. Uh, it, that was really a big thing for him in 2019. Uh, he is a two-time ARCA Gold Cup Series champion, but he hasn't, uh, you know, he the reason he's down on the list is he doesn't get away uh, from Flat Rock and Toledo very often. But uh, from what I understand, that was going to change this year as he has the Intimidator 100 and the Kalamazoo Clash on his schedule. Uh, maybe that'll move him up if he has good performances at those events in 2020. Now, let's take a look at some drivers, Rich. You know better than I do uh, that were maybe left off of this list, and I agree with one of your suggestions, and that's one of the drivers to watch in 2020, I feel. Craig Average, he came very close to a win at Kalamazoo Speedway, backed that up with a strong performance at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway this season as well. And uh, Craig Average, man, he is getting he's getting that uh, that car figured out, that 101 machine. Oh, he sure has. He, you know, went down to the last night, uh, tied with uh, Frank Giovanni for the championship at Flat Rock Speedway, and uh, Giovanni won that. I think it was by 15 points. Uh, so he he ran outstanding at Flat Rock all year. Also ran very well at the Kalamazoo Speedway. So yeah, he he could move up in there. Also, uh, Harold Fair Jr. How he was left off this list, I have no idea. I understand he's doing a lot of work with the youngster Hayden Sprague, who I also would like to put maybe at the bottom of this list uh, because he, you know, he won on championship night at Flat Rock in 2019, and we watched him get a lot of seat time uh, down at Speed Weeks down at New Smyrna, and he did an out outstanding job. I think he is actually one of the dark horses to watch in 2020. And I would uh, have to agree with you there. So there's the list as uh, presented by Speed 51. We kind of break it down. We have some disagreements for sure. Uh, if you want to let us know who you think, should be on the list, who should be off the list, where you'd rank them, let us know, drop a comment, and uh, we'd be sure to uh, take a look at that. Well, Rich, as we move on to the Here's the Deal segment, uh, you know, there is a guy in the state of Michigan who gets to see quite a few uh, uh, outlaw late model drivers and late model drivers that could be on that Speed 51 list. Uh, Rich, introduce us to our next guest. Yeah, this gentleman I've, I've been fortunate enough to know about, known for about 30 years now. Uh, I work for him throughout the summer at Toledo and Flat Rock Speedways. Uh, he's the general manager for Toledo and Flat Rock. Scott Schultz, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it very much. Uh, last season, we ended uh, 2019, uh, gosh, with probably one of the best events we've had in, in a few years at the Glass City 200. We actually finally got Zach there for the first time. <laughs> um, but uh, you guys didn't have much downtime. As, uh, you didn't get to breathe very much, especially uh, at, for the Flat Rock Speedway as well. No, you usually have a little break there. But, you know, by the time we do our banquet and get our marketing uh, materials around, you know, you're now into Thanksgiving. So you make some phone calls and get some plans made. And, you know, we start working on the schedule back in August. Usually I start uh, knocking things out just a little bit. And, during the year, I keep a file uh, for the next year, and if something doesn't work, you put it in there and say, don't do that again. That was dumb. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it is nice. I, I do hide a little bit, as I like to say, and, you know, I'm very blessed and fortunate. I coach high school basketball during the winter, but um, it, it keeps me busy. But the tracks, it seems to be that, you know, each year things get a little bit uh, busier, 
And, and you know, the racing business is just like any other business. You got to put your time into it uh, and get to get something out of it. So we start a little bit earlier. I probably made more sales calls than I ever had before uh, in November and December. But we came off a strong ending, as you know, Rich. Uh, in yeah. fact, it, it, we had a very good August and September at both racetracks, and. You know, we were really excited. The economy was moving along uh, real, real well, and things were going pretty, pretty good this winter. And then, uh, obviously, uh, with the COVID nineteen virus, that that put the stop on everything. But uh, you know, we're we're hoping to get back to business, as is everybody, and honestly, just get back to routine of life. Uh, this is, this is incredible. Um, it's something I never dreamed of uh, seeing in my lifetime, and I'm sure all of us have that same feeling well before we get to that uh, let's talk about uh, you made some improvements this winter uh, some pretty major uh, improvements to the Flat Rock Speedway and uh, you guys are getting pretty close to being done with that if uh, if you could ever get back in there and get to work <laughs> yeah we've been we've been trying to we've been talking about replacing the wall in turns one and two of the oval at Flat Rock for two three years and we actually even had some bids on some things a couple of years ago, but we just weren't ready to do it. And then we had been talking about it since about June, and, and uh, we put everything in motion. And uh, by the you know business is so good that uh, our our bidders that we had were both swamped with work. So you know they were committed to their projects, and you know we we had uh, let the bids out and and taken taken the bids that we wanted. Uh, Man, I think it was still mid-September or late September, but they couldn't get to it till they were done with all their other jobs, which shows you how good the economy was. Yeah. So, you know, we were we were last in line, and that was okay because it still could get done. So, uh, Olson Cement out of Taylor uh, poured the wall. They poured it in December, just before we had that second snowfall. Uh, I think like December 9th or tenth, it was done, and then uh, Bedford Fence came in and. He'd already started the process in January of measuring things up and all that. Uh, we, we knew what, exactly what we wanted to do, but um, he had to just take some final measurements and, and look at some things. And uh, we were up there last week of January with him on, an, on a, one of those nice days. And, you know, he was able, he said, if I get a break here, you know, in the in the middle of February or so, first uh, of March, he says, I'll get this knocked out. And sure enough, you know, the way we had a very mild winter, so... He was able to get that done, and if you look at the website and the Facebook, the pictures are just outstanding. And honestly, it looks just as good as it does in the photo. When you walk up the hill there uh, from the grandstand side and look at over there in turn one and two, you just, if you go to Flower Rock, like I do every day of my life, <laughs> basically, uh, and anybody that goes to Flower Rock on a consistent basis, when you walk up the hill and look at that, you're just going to go, wow, what a difference. And when you're coming in from the pits and you're a competitor, and you're going to look off to the left and see the turn one and two wall. You're just you're just going to go, boys. That looked neat. What? Uh, really changes the face of the place. Uh, it's step one, to be honest with you, in our phase of uh, of some more improvements that we got planned for the next couple of years. I have to kind of ask myself this: um, when I think about improving a racetrack. Um, the wall is not always something that comes to the forefront. Uh, forefront. What was the determining factor? Why, what was, I mean, was the shape of the wall just not safe? Or, or what, what led no. to re-pouring a wall in turns one and two? No, we were fine with it. it you know, the wall had been there since uh, the 1960s. And it had gotten battered up pretty bad. And the, 
the uprights, uh, the I-beams that were there were not in good shape. Hmm. Uh, we, had, we had had them welded several times and had uh, braces put on the poles. Uh, just even last year, we had some of that done, but, you know, we just finally decided it needed to get done. It was safe. We have safety cables all the way around the speedway, and, you know, everything was intact, and there was no danger involved. But, you know, it was something that needed to be done, and, sure. and we took that step to do it, and uh, we're, we're very gra- glad that we did do it. In our uh, written release that we were able to put out as Horsepower Happenings over the past week, um, you, you uh, reported to us that, uh, as you said just a couple of minutes ago, this is just kind of phase one. Um, it's it's so encouraging to hear of a facility that is able to lay out a plan and say, okay, we're going to be able to put money into our facility, um, whereas there are some facilities, uh, Scott, as you well know, that aren't able to do that. What a blessing you have to be able to uh, be at this situation with both tracks where improvements are at the top of the, of the list of things to get done. Well, and, and Rich will tell you this, it all starts and ends with our boss. Um, Ron Dreger is is a great guy to work for. Um, this is all his family has ever known. This is all he has ever known. Uh, his family, you know, his grandfather helped Bill France found NASCAR, and then he came up to the Midwest and founded ARCA, which was M-A-R-C before that. And, you know, it's, it's in his blood, and it's everything his family has ever done. And, you know, his family has promoted Flat Rock since 1962, and... You know, he's a he's a forethinking guy. Look at the grandstands at Flat Rock and Toledo for the spectators. And, you know, not that anybody else doesn't. Angola has a very nice set of grandstands, as do many racetracks. But, you know, we're, he was probably 15 years ahead of most people, 20 years. And, you know, the the process that we went through to put those in and and the way he did it and the way he had to finance the whole project and, and, and his thinking process, it's just phenomenal to where we're at today. And, you know, without that, my goodness, we'd, we'd probably be looking at replacing bleachers and, you know, the, the world has changed forever. Uh, you know, it's affected our industry. And I'm not, not talking about the current uh, virus. I'm just talking about the world as it is has changed so much in the last 20, 25 years that... Mm. You know, we'd have been way behind the eight ball, but, you know, because of his forethinking and, and his, you know, his dedication to the sport and his job, you know, we're, we're blessed to be in that situation and be able to do things that we're doing right now. Now, Scott, uh, obviously, Zach and I, you know, try, try not to mention it, but it's always what we call the elephant in the room these days. Um, you know, our, our sport really has to take a back seat. Uh, in relative to importance because I think at one time or another uh, we're going to know somebody who's fighting through this thing. How hard is it for you guys to sit back uh, and have to wait not knowing what next week or even what next month will bring? Well, that's what everybody's doing, right? That's what everybody's doing. Regardless if you're retired or working, you're young, you're elderly, the unknown is the biggest problem right now for all of us. And, you know, we're no different than anybody else. And, and let's face it, this is secondary. It's even way down the list compared to what's going on in the world today. And, you know, you listen to the projections from uh, those doctors and things like that that are standing up there with the president. And it makes you sit up and take notice. But you have to take everything uh, with a grain of salt. Or I shouldn't say that. You have to take everything in its perspective. And right now, we are proceeding as we thought we would with our schedule 
However, we also are very aware that we're going to probably have to make some changes. And uh, those changes are going to come very soon. We just put out our, our April bulletin today, and it just it gives you some more background information. It's mostly for the racers. But, you know, the first couple paragraphs just, uh, you know, tell everybody we're praying for everybody, that everybody is healthy and safe, from your friends to your family to your fellow coworkers and, you know, everyone that's, that you know and, and everyone that you don't know. Um, and, and it is tough. It is tough for our business because we are seasonal, which makes it even more difficult. But l- look at look at what's going on all over the world today. So, you know, we just uh, we just have to take it one day at a time, one step at a time, because the one day at a time <laughs> becomes very prophetic. Because every time you turn on the TV, something else has come up, or some new fact is is there, or there's been a new mandate put into place. And needless to say, the president has. Uh, now ordered uh, social distancing till April 30th. Uh, I'm not sure what that means for the stay-at-home. Uh, that's a state thing. The stay-at-home orders are from the state uh, level. And I, I would think we're going to see some changes there, but I do not know that. But, you know, very, very soon, probably in the next 10 days, we're going to have to make some decisions. Uh, we've got some things laid out. We have some time. We also have some options available to us uh, as we move forward. Um, and I think the main thing that we want to emphasize to everyone is we're not going to rush back into the racing season. I think there too, is so much that goes to this. I'm sorry to jump on you there, Scott, but I, I wanted to say I think too that uh, you know there's a balanced sense for most people. I think that there's a balanced sense of of uh, realism to understand what is happening right now and uh, you know you mentioned the economy and uh, people need to get back to work and need to support their families. They understand that, but they also balance that with, if we can get through this quick enough, um, we should be able to get right back to life as as we knew it, and hopefully that means being able to spend time at the racetrack with our family and friends, and um, you know, hopefully look back in a couple months and go, wow, that was an interesting you know couple of months there that we had. What uh, what are you guys foreseeing? And this can be an opinion, or you can tell us what you guys are thinking about. I'm hearing a lot of folks thinking that maybe we're going to utilize some late fall racing season this year that a lot of tracks don't necessarily get into unless they have a big special toward the end of the year. Uh, talking about racing into the uh, well into the end of September, maybe even a touch bit into October. Um, do you, as an industry professional, do you foresee that happening if we can get back to the the racetrack soon? If you are, you're a fool. You're an absolute <laughs> fool. It's been it, racing in general in our industry is struggling at the short track level, at the national level. Adding events when you don't normally run are, is is a recipe for disaster. Now, I hope I am totally wrong. Sure. And I hope the people that, can, that are going to take that challenge and take that chance and that gamble, I hope they can make it work. That's my personal opinion and nobody else's. I just, I cannot see that happening. And, you know, I hope everybody understands, and everybody knows, and Rich France will tell you this, rain dates do not work. Very, very rarely do rain dates work. So let's say you lose five weeks in your year, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but let's say you lose five races. There is no way you can make those five races up. Now, we have the options available to maybe add a race or two in our schedule the way it's set up at both places probably could allow us to do that if we feel the conditions are right. And I'm speaking from a business climate and from a business standpoint and a business decision. 
also, we have the chance to maybe move one division and maybe add them on a night. Or maybe run this race on this night with our show. So, you know, we've got some options to look at, which is great, uh, you know, as, as we move on down the pike. But, you know, the deeper you get into the season, I think the more of a struggle it's going to be. And, and, and let's face it, let's say on X day they say, okay, um, the bars and restaurants can open up. We're relaxing the, I think it's 10 people right now. Mm. You can go ahead and congregate. But how many people are unemployed right now? Sure. How many people are going to be ready to just jump right back and, oh, I'm going to the racetrack. Oh, I'm going to the baseball game. You know, oh, I'm going to the soccer game. But believe me, Major League Sports is going to take a hit on this, too. People are not just going to flock back to this. This is something that is unprecedented, has never been seen before. Everybody's curled up in a ball, uh, you know, and, and everybody's doing a great job. I will say that. You see all the good, the good feel-good stories, and it's great to see. But I, I really, really can't see jumping right back into this. Maybe two to three weeks after things get relaxed, and I'm talking about a racing event. Not a practice, not a test day. I'm talking about a, a racing event where you're racing that Saturday night or Friday night or Sunday afternoon. Um, you know what? And, again, these are all my personal opinions. Sure. So, you know, if everybody thinks I'm all wet and I'm dumb and, <laughs> and stupid, that's okay because I've been called worse. And, uh, you know, but I just, I just don't think anybody can rush back into things. Look at Major League Baseball and – and even football, they're they're talking about you know what they're going to do. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know because, right again, here we go, the unknown. No one knows what's going to happen, how quick it's going to happen, if it's going to happen at all. So, you know, like you said, and I know I'm babbling on here, but you asked. I did. <laughs> I, I opened the door. You asked, <laughs> but but um, we got some options and plans. We got. We've got a plan A, I'll say, made out. Uh, but, again, we could wake up tomorrow and plan A may be right out the window. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to go to plan B. Mm-hmm. So. so, Scott, uh, yeah, Scott, we can talk about, uh, we, we can go on thinking uh, that we're going to go ahead and be out at the racetrack uh, earlier uh, than later. But uh, let's talk about Flat Rock because that's uh, what was going to start your season. Uh, talk about some of the events, uh, and, and there are several cool ones on the schedule for 2020. Yeah, they are. Of course, we have our traditional uh, big outlaw races, the Joy Fair Memorial 100 and the Scanny Memorial 150. Uh, that's on uh, Memorial Day Saturday, May 23rd, and then the 150 is July 18th. Uh, the CRA Super Series is coming back. Uh, that race is June 18th, I believe, uh, on a Saturday. We have our two school bus figure eight races. Uh, of course, as always, uh, we've been able to uh, carve some other things out here as we go along. Uh, of course, we're going to kick off the season if we're fortunate enough uh, with the uh, Motor City 200, which uh, Scott Millen's Motor City Racing Promotions Group is uh, going to promote. Uh, they tried to do it last year, got rained out twice. Uh, so we're, we're working, we're talking to Scott every couple days as, as these things materialize and uh, as announcements are made. But, you know, we're hoping... We're hoping that race on Saturday, April 25th, can uh, take place. It's a CRA Jigs Late Model Tour, uh, Crate Engines, and then we have a modified Invitational in the CRA Junior Late Models. So, you know, it, it's looking to be a great season, uh, no doubt about it. We're still very optimistic about what's going on. 
uh, and I hope everybody is. Yeah, we really should be. Everybody should be. Uh, we just we're just going to have to bide our time here a little bit. Now let's go to now let's move over to Toledo Speedway. Last couple years, a little bit of a reduced schedule, but uh, the events that you are going to put on at Toledo Speedway, wow, there's some big ones. Yeah, and you know most half miles in the country, Rich and, and Zach, as you know, are becoming specials only tracks, and you know that's that's pretty much where we're at now. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series East Series is what we have this year, and that race is back to a Saturday night on May 16th under the lights. Those cars are awesome under the lights. So we had the chance to do that, so we'll run Flat Rock on that Friday night prior, May 15th, and then May 16th we'll run the 200-lap race, and we'll run our factory stocks and sportsmen too uh, with them, make it an all-day show there. Uh, I, don't, I shouldn't say all day, but make it an evening show and do an autograph session and things like that. So we're pretty enthused about that. Uh, of course, we have the Glass City 200 in September, our two school bus figure eight races, the All-Star Monster Truck Tours coming back. Uh, we have our 61st anniversary show, uh, which is going to be on Saturday night, August 8th. And then this year we have moved the uh, USAC Silver Crown race. It will be their national championship race uh, on Sunday afternoon, October 4th, to wrap up the season. So, yeah, we like the way the schedule lays out. Uh, if we got to make changes at, at Toledo, it's a little bit easier to do because we have more dates available. But, uh, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see how everything pans out. But we are optimistic. Uh, you know, we're, we're a little bit of a standstill right now on, on the work schedule, as is everybody, I think, around the world and country. But, uh, you know, we're, we're anxious to get back to it. Scott, where do people go to uh, stay up to date on everything that is happening at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways? Yep, always go to flatrockspeedway.com or toledospeedway.com. You'll be able to click on the schedule, uh, and it'll tell you what's going on along with our headlines, or you can go to our Facebook page, too, and everything will be right there. Uh, as I said, in the next 10 days, gentlemen, we'll be making some type of announcement on some adjustments. All right, if, sounds good. If need be. Okay. S Scott Schultz, General Manager with uh, Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways. As always, a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for making some time to chat tonight. Rich and Zach, thank you very much. I know I was the number five guy on the list. To call, so <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, man, that's not true. That's not true. Um, so we have to take a break. When we come back, we will uh, join another promoter from the region who is facing some of the very same challenges uh, that uh, General Manager Scott Schultz is. We're going to call up Rick Dawson on the other side. He's with Anderson Speedway. He'll talk a little 500, Red Bud 400 as well. It's all coming up on Horsepower Happenings. Don't go anywhere. The Motor City 200 is coming back for a a third try on Saturday, April 25th from Flat Rock Speedway. The first can't-miss event of the year features a season-opening 100 laps for Champion Racing Association's Jags and CRA All-Stars Tour. Also on the card for the first time since 2007, Modifieds will battle wheel-to-wheel -wheel with 75 laps at the historic Speedway. The Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Model Series opens their sophomore season with 25 laps around the Metro Detroit Bowl Ring. The Motor City 200, Saturday, April 25th. From Flat Rock Speedway, a Motor City Racing Promotions event. For more information, log on to MotorCity200.com. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at SuspensionMax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. 
when the call sounds from race control. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. This is Mike Bursley with ABR Development, and you're listening to Horsepower Happenings. Well, we get into our uh, second interview tonight, and uh, welcome back, by the way, Zach Heiser, Rich France, hanging out with you. And, uh, Rich, let's go ahead and get into our final interview on the night. Introduce us who uh, to who we'll be chatting with. Yeah, first time having this gentleman on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, he's the owner promoter at the Anderson Speedway, Rick Dawson. Welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Now, uh, for anyone that doesn't know your history... Uh, give us a little bit of background on your involvement in racing over the years leading up to uh, taking the reins there at Anderson. Sure. Uh, actually, I just started out as a, as a race fan back in the 80s doing a lot of NASCAR races. And it so happened I owned a 68 firm in Hilton, Indiana. And it was uh, and that just happened to be the headquarters of ASA at the time and got to know Rex and Becky pretty well. And of course, they owned... Uh, they owned Anderson Speedway at the time, and uh, one thing led to another. In 20, this is my 23rd season, uh, I've been at the helm of Anderson Speedway, and I'm very proud to say that. You've done a lot of uh, exciting things over the years, um, and you know you kind of started out as a partnership. Then you got Reigns, uh, you know, on your own as the president, and and uh, you know been working on this. You guys just came off of a very big year last year, uh, where you were scheduled to put in some five hundred thousand dollars of investments into a racetrack, um, and that was kind of the theme that we were talking about with Scott Schultz earlier in the program was investing into the racetrack um it's so awesome here over the last few years to be able to see uh people like yourself be able to put money into racetracks something that we haven't been able to talk about for a long time well the racing industry hurts us literally every day of course our whole world is right now but yeah in, in normal times the racing industry is just evolving and if you don't keep up with uh with the fans' needs and with the uh, racing needs, uh, you're going to fall behind, and that's why you see a lot of racetracks uh, going by the wayside. But the ones that that remain will be your will be the strongest ones that will give the best entertainment and uh, thank for the back for the uh, for the fans. And of course, now, with Anderson Speedway. Uh, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, with Anderson Speedway, you know, you guys have uh, two two events that really, of course, stand out on the schedule. Um, and uh, for, for us, of course, that's the little 500 and then the Red Bud. And, uh, you know, with Anderson's unique race surface, uh, with the shape of the racetrack and with the uh, configuration of the raceway, um, wow, what, what an awesome couple of events that you guys get to host in. Um, it never disappoints either. It's got to be fun for you as a race fan, too, to be able to kind of take off the ownership coat and sit down and watch those uh, really blockbuster events. Yeah, I, I grew up going down to Indianapolis every year to the big race. So I've actually had conversations with them both down there. And even with his position, he stands at the start of the grid uh, before the race, and you're just in awe of being able to be that person down there and and, and responsible along with your your staff, obviously, for that big event. And you just think, and I, do, I have the same feeling at the at the little five hundred and and also at the uh, Red Bus four hundred in July. But it's just something to be able to stand down there and and watch that event uh, evolve into what it has today, which is just thoroughly huge. Now, uh, Rick, last year uh, you unveiled uh, staying on the little five hundred for now. Uh, you unveiled the uh, the ten plate permanent trophy for the little five hundred. Uh, talk about that and how important it was for you to get that done. It's pretty important, of course. You know, even everything's relative. But there are a lot of similarities, even dating back to the days when when Tony Holman owned the big track. That that the little five hundred uh, mirrored uh, some of the things with the uh, big race, and one of the iconic images of the Indianapolis 500 is obviously the board corner trophy, and I thought, you know, someday it would be neat to have a permanent trophy for the Payless Little 500, and last year with our good friends at the Plate uh, Restaurant up in El- Elwood, we were able to accomplish that, and it's actually a beautiful piece of art. Now, you, uh, everybody just thinks, you know, in the racing world, if you're a race fan, you know about the Little 500, but but really, you guys have a festival uh, that that uh, you guys have raised over over $2 million, from what I understand, for local charities. Uh, that's got to make you guys pretty happy as well. Actually, it's a it's a month-long event that's gone on, and it started back in the late 80s with, with our sponsorship with Payless uh, Supermarkets at the time. And we wanted to get the whole community involved, whether they were race fans or not, and get them involved in help local charities. And, and yeah, I, I think it's actually approaching $3 million now since it's inceptionally raised for, for charities. And there's, I think there's scheduled to be like 30 different events uh, this year for the festival, which is just phenomenal. I mean, obviously, they're going to get tweaked a little bit here with, with schedule-wise with things that are going on. I know one of the big events is the Mayor's Cup go-kart race in downtown Anderson, and it's already been moved uh, to later in the year. But the Bull 500 Festival is a big part. Uh, of the of the Payless Full 500 uh, and presented by the UAW, which are huge supporters of uh, not only our event but of our community. Well, and I think that we, uh, you know, almost have to kind of at least look at the elephant in the room as well. Uh, you know, it was announced over the last week that the big race, the Indianapolis 500, was being moved. 
And I think a lot of people expected, um, I know that I did, and I mentioned this on last week's show, that if the Indianapolis 500 was moved, you could almost automatically look for the little 500 to be moved. Uh, moved. And you guys haven't done that yet. What is your plan moving forward for the little 500 specifically on Anderson's schedule? Actually, uh, and I just got through sending out another press release. We sent one out last week. The uh, the little 500 is still scheduled for May the 23rd, and we fully intend to to run it on that date. Every you know, listen to the president's conference yesterday. Listen to the governor of Indiana today. Hopefully, uh, it probably won't be totally behind us, but this whole whole virus thing should be well in its downswing by then. And, and folks, uh, folks are looking forward to uh, to getting out and getting back to the racetrack. I actually think it'll be therapeutic uh, when this happens. So uh, we're, we pull into the racer. We did have to uh, to abbreviate our schedule a little bit, make some more changes. We uh, we are not going to actually have our first race this year until May the second. We're up there with the SC Racing Wing Sprints on May the second. So we had to. We had to move. We haven't postponed anything yet. We've moved everything in April and found dates uh, uh, in May, actually, to get all these races in. So we're looking forward to uh, one more month of this, and uh, hopefully uh, things will get back to some semblance of normal. Well, and you do. You join other uh, racetracks across the country that have have come out today and have said, you know, we're not going to try to do anything in April uh, based on what the president has said. Um I, I got to ask you in your uh, you know some 23 years with Anderson and then years in the, in the sport before that have you ever seen any situation like this um, where you know event promoters across the board not just for the racing industry have kind of been backed into a corner like this and have had to say we don't know this is very fluid we'll keep you up to date as quick as we can uh, you know as soon as we can go racing we're going to have you ever seen anything like this actually not exactly like this, but I go back to uh, September of 2001 uh, when 9-11 happened. Uh, we didn't know what was happening then either, whether we were going to war with the world or, or what was happening at the time. And I can remember that time we had a night of thrill scheduled there. Actually, the president at that time was encouraging everybody to, to do something to uh, to celebrate our country. We did it. Not like this, because... There's still a lot of uncertainty around this, although it's becoming clearer and clearer every day that I think we're going to be okay once this is over. But uh, not like this. I mean, weather obviously has has played a part in several years, especially in April. This kind of the past I was talking to my operations manager today. Just so happens that we were supposed to start practicing in the middle of this month, and every weekend since then, and it looks like this coming weekend when we were supposed to open, the weather was was so, such that we couldn't have raced anyway. So, really, if you look at it that way, we haven't missed anything yet. Now, obviously, uh, Rick, you know, the Little 500 and the Red Bud 300, everybody, uh, you know, is is pretty well-versed on that and knows, knows what you do there. But what else, what else do you do throughout the season uh, down there at Anderson? Uh, Anderson, I, I know you were, uh, I thought uh, I remembered seeing you guys running some uh, pretty good figure eight races down there as well. We do that, and actually, July the fourth is is in uh, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend are two of our our biggest nights uh, where we do figure eight madness on on July the fourth, and we have school buses, we have trailer races, everything's in the figure eight. And we just have a blast that night. 
and Sunway on Labor Day weekend. We we have uh, we have our own late models, tree stock, and Thunder Car divisions, along with uh, front wheel drives. This year, we're starting a big new uh, Crown Victoria uh, series, which we're looking forward to. A, a nice economical way to just get out and play. Uh, we just have a lot of fun at Anderson, so uh, and we have a lot of great sponsors that that not only just sponsor the track, but they sponsor events for the fans too, and we really look forward to that stuff. Now, this is kind of a a one-off question that sometimes I get really good response, and sometimes uh, I get uh, you know a little bit of a beat around the bush, but. With a track like Anderson, with the little 500, with uh, e- you know event coordinators like Champion Racing Association, must-see racing sprint cars, for uh, for you personally, Rick Dawson, what event do you look forward to the most, either as a promoter or as just a race fan? Which event do you look forward to the most at Anderson Speedway? As much as I would like to say the little 500 is a great event, but I myself personally have a hard time enjoying it because it is so, I'm so tense and upright. I don't really have time to sit down and soak it in and enjoy it like I, like I would like to. Mm-hmm. The Red Buck 400 uh, has been just a tremendous race. The pieces of that race in the last, gosh, five or ten years have just been phenomenal. And with the new rules that we put in place a couple of years ago with the uh, control pit stops and in that one, I can actually enjoy somewhat because I have CRA there to actually run the race. So I'm, we're not doing that ourselves, and I can really sit down and watch that. But, uh, that is probably right now the top of my list, and we're really working hard to build that race up, and it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Well, uh, Rick Dawson uh, with Anderson Speedway, we appreciate your time. Uh, I, I know that you got a really full plate, just like a lot of people do right now, trying to watch the news and trying to rework the schedule and push things around to make sure that everything can get in here in 2020. Um, it's going to be an exciting year as soon as we can get back to it, and uh, that's just the same at Anderson Speedway as well. So thanks for joining us tonight. Good luck in 2020. I sure appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. Well, Rich, as always, our appreciation to uh, Scott Schultz uh, earlier on in the program and, of course, uh, Rick Dawson for joining us tonight. Always interesting, Rich, when we get a chance to kind of get the promoter's perspective, if you will, uh, granted general manager and owner, not necessarily promoters, but nonetheless, they hold the pens and the pencils and they make it happen for us so that we have somewhere to go. Always great to get their perspective on things. Yeah, we really, you know, we're... It, that's a whole different perspective you know usually we get to you know talk to people in the pit area and it's the tech officials or we talk to announcers all the time but uh you really don't get the you know or race directors we really get to talk to those as well but you never get to the to the, to the top of the food chain i guess you would say and find out really what's going on um i think they held a little bit of back just because we don't know but uh but boy look they got a tough job. I don't know if I would want to do that. The next time we talk, it will be April. Um, and uh, really, as we all know, there's a lot of question marks right now. Um, but I would I would say that right now, Rich, it's as important time as any to continue to be supportive of the industry. And what I mean by that is flip on an eSports event. Uh, you know, check out some local podcasts, including Horsepower Happenings. If you listen to us, we obviously thank you so much. We'd appreciate your like, comment, and share to get some more people on board with what we're doing. But also check out some other racing podcasts. Check out some of the iRacing events that are going on, Rich. Um, we, we right now as an industry need to pull together and uh, as a country, of course, as well, uh, follow all the orders and, and everything so we can get through this time 
and get back to uh, life as we knew it and, and get back to the racetrack as quick as possible. Yeah, they, you know, we've always said that, uh, you know, where, wherever we race, whatever track we race at, doesn't matter. Uh, we're all a racing family, and uh, we, we need each other more than ever now. Uh, not, not, not to get us back racing, but just to make sure everybody, you know, stays, stays healthy, uh, does the right thing, so everybody can make their way back to the racetrack when we finally get there. Remember to practice your social distancing. Please adhere to the uh, suggestions and the orders from your local governments and, of course, from the national governments as well. Um, stay close to uh, horsepowerhappenings.com. We'll try to keep you up to date on everything that's going on as much as we can, as we know it. Of course, every day is a new day with new information and new updates, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our best and hopefully here within the next, uh, you know, 30 to 45 days, We'll get a chance to see you at a racetrack real soon. For Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks so much to Scott Schultz and Rick Dawson for joining us on the program tonight. Be sure to tune in next week, Monday, right here, 9 o'clock, for the next episode of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings on the Motor City Racing Network. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.